0: Then, far faster than the swirling mortal mind of the man called Marvell can comprehend, the horizon explodes in a blazing inferno of blinding colors and meaningless spheres, floating aimlessly about the ever pulsating mass of energy which is Zo. And Captain Marvel suddenly finds himself drawn into a terrifying vortex without time or dimension, where mind and matter are without meaning where all that is visible is far beyond the grasp of the highest echelons of civilized learning, where total blindness could be naught but a blessing. But even the most horrifying of nightmares cannot be without end. Thus, the macabre mystery tour of the Cree warrior suddenly opens into what is not unlike an Earthian cornucopia pouring its overflowing harvest into an enchanted galaxy, which hangs upon the starry canvas like a newly finished masterpiece on a great artist's easel. However, in times of crisis, the works of the greatest masters have gone unnoticed, and so it is with the universal panorama before Captain Marvel, as his mind, so utterly primitive in the comparison with that of Zo, can think only of his own whereabouts and his chances of survival welcome to artifacts of infinity where we dive into the infinite abyss of marvel's cosmic universe i'm jonathan hudson and i'm
1: everett christensen this episode is five and today we'll be covering captain marvel volume one issues 11 15 and 16 Now, in previous episodes, we've jumped much further than this one, but before we begin this time, we'll need to summarize. With the Fantastic Four comics, there's a status quo that can be expected. Reed, Sue, Johnny, and Ben in the Baxter building when the adventure begins. So Captain Marvel has no such baseline, and it exemplifies a much more modern storytelling affect by flowing uninterrupted from one crisis to the next. As those comics are not cosmic by our definition, we'll skip them for now, though Earthshine may cover them later.
0: As Roy Thomas explains in the intro to Captain Marvel Masterworks 2, the creative teams are inconsistent in this era of the book. Martin Goodman would be unhappy with sales and cancel the title after changes had already been made. New sales data would come out, he'd order the book restarted and a fresh team would take over. Rinse repeat, and you get a menagerie of creators and a bit of inconsistent storytelling. We're not covering most of the issues affected by this, but if you're reading along, you'll definitely be able to tell.
1: So, between the epic confrontation with your boy, Colert the Super Scroll, and here, Captain Marvel has been saving humanity and uncovering the secrets behind his alter-ego Dr. Lawson, who apparently makes giant assassin robots and works with very large criminal super-science enterprises. During this time, he has grown close with Carol Danvers, indeed saving her from the clutches of Lawson's old allies against the orders of Ronan the Accuser, and this has delivered Captain Marvel before a Kree firing squad. And so begins... Captain Marvel number 11, Rebirth. It was written by Arnold Drake, pencils by Dick Ayers, inking by Vince Coletta, lettering by Gene Izzo, edited by Stan Lee, and a cover by Barry Windsor Smith and Herb Trimp.
0: This cover, you have Captain Marvel running towards the reader, firing over his shoulder at the spaceship while Medic Una lies helplessly in the background with some sort of strange alien archway crackling with power.
1: On our first page, we have Captain Marvel standing before his executioners, unbowed and unbroken, when suddenly, with a single ray barrage, the firing squad is completely uh, wiped out from above, and they say it's the Akon, mortal enemy of the Kree people.
0: Una, who's decided to take action to save her man, even though she knows Mar has been kissing Carol, is down here in the scrum as well. She's been put through so much these last few issues, and it ain't right.
1: Yeah, Marvel leaps into action, gathering up the guns that would have been used on him, and begins to fire back at the Akon. And it's it's interesting, because... When they were originally shown, they were yellow humanoids, and here they look a lot more like Lawson's criminals and not the Akon. And I wonder if there was just some miscommunication on this one.
0: Yeah, when I was reading through, I actually had to do a double take and kind of jump back and reread to try to figure out why everything looks so different. It It's a bit jarring if you're reading through.
1: Now Marvel leaps uh, monologues to himself as he proves how good he is at combat. He's just taking down waves of these guys. and he says to himself, "Will there never come a time when life will be valued above ego, justice, and right above power, to join with other building beings in the building of a fitter universe? I must first survive." Or is this the rationale which all fighting men have used from the beginning of time to hide the blood on their hands from their own eyes? And, like, that is some that is some big brain thinking for the middle of a firefight.
0: Yeah, definitely. Jan rogg once again hamstrung by Cree military doctrine for leaving our hero to die, deploys his troops to combat the opposing forces though it may save Captain Marvel's life, and he is grumpy about that.
1: And amid the din and flame of battle between the two forces, Medic Una is caught in the crossfire and falls victim to a stray shot.
0: Both Captain Marvel and yon Rog rush to the fallen Una, and once there, they begin beating the heck out of each other. There is a ton of overwrought dialogue here our heroes beside himself with rage. There is a sweetness in your destruction beyond anything that tongue or eye could know. Do not retrieve your weapon, Colonel. This issue shall be settled by blood and bone alone. And when it is done, only one of us shall write the history of that future men will read. One will live on in legend as both victor and victim, and one as traitor for all time.
1: Wow. Just mar bruh
0: dude getting to this point i was channeling that big time yon-rog is horrible yeah i
1: just like while we haven't gotten to see too much of it he definitely deserves it but we'll discuss that in a bit but as soon as Mar notices that Una is still alive, he chastises himself for letting the anger overwhelm him, and instead he picks her up and heads to Cape Canaveral. He promptly decides to steal a rocket and heads up into lunar orbit.
0: Una is growing weaker and weaker in space, and we see Mar crying as he listens to her final heartbeats. Mar then heads out to an asteroid not far from Mars and uses the Unibeam to make a memorial for her, laying her upon the stone cairn in space, a monument to their love. Uh however,
1: once he is traveling through space once more, yon Rog catches up to Mars' ship and uses a magnetic tractor beam to hurtle the ship at over five times the speed of light into the cosmos, where the captain guesses he's doomed to fall through infinite space for
0: eternity. That is such a cool scene. I love that. He's just like, I'm going to whip you around and throw you into space. That's pretty great.
1: Oh, yeah. The, the space scape is really impressive Like to look at. There are these like glowing green bands of you know cosmic interpretation and all of these like delightful like stars and planets and all sorts of stuff going on there's an eclipse just like randomly
0: there day 63 of his journey and marvel has already begun to hallucinate madness begins overtaking him as he sees una his parents and unfathomable evils in the darkness of space.
1: And on day 112, Mar notices that he's headed towards a planet, and at the speeds he's going, he's sure that he will be incinerated by the planet's atmosphere.
0: But contrary to that previous expectation of death, a beam of some sort erupts from the planet's surface and brings the ship gently down.
1: Then things start getting trippy. Mar ventures forth to explore the planet whose surface is only as thick as frozen dreams, and his every step sinks into the vaporous loam. And starved and mad, he continues stumbling on.
0: He startles awake, and he is completely healed, which alarms him, and... He's feeling rejuvenated and he sees that he's being waited on by five beautiful nurses. And they cryptically hint that beyond a huge set of doors that appear from nowhere lies the truth of the universe.
1: And as the doors retreat, there stands before Mar a towering obelisk that speaks unto him, calling itself
0: Zo. Zo tells Marvel that all of these events have been a part of its plan from the beginning, to which Mar immediately rejects doing Zo's bidding until it dangles revenge on Jan Rog in front of Mar's face.
1: And um, you know, to me, even though we've seen that Mar really is interested in saving people's lives, uh, Yon Rog has taken every opportunity to be really cruel to both Mar and Una by this point and honestly I'm really feeling the part of it where Mar jumps on the idea of revenge.
0: Yeah, I it's, I had to stop when I was reading this and I started griping at my wife about how much I despise Yon Rog. He's one of very few villains that you just can't find anything to enjoy, you just you want him to die painfully, and there's no other excuse. So yeah, I'm I'm feeling Mar here big time.
1: Yeah i I have to say that the the thing that I dislike the most about Yon Rog is he has a strange way of like wanting to basically torment una by making her watch mar in peril and then like gloating to her that he will surely die and he does this over and over and over and over again And it's just despicable
0: that that definitely is the most troubling part of him i mean you know villains have beef with heroes that happens but yeah but the the real torturous way he treats una is is beyond upsetting
1: so captain marvel faces zoe and says the only life within me is powered by hatred i would serve zoe in exchange for Zoe interrupts saying the power to destroy colonel yong rog of course zoe has always known this
0: so zoe empowers mar granting him flight super strength teleportation, and the power to create illusions and a few extra powers, and thus Marv vows vengeance upon the despicable yon Rog. Next, we come to Captain Marvel 15, That Zo Might Live, A Galaxy Must Die, written by Gary Friedrich, pencils by Tom Sutton, inking by Dan Adkins, lettering by Gene Izzo, edited by Stan Lee, with covers by Marie Severin, John Verporten, and Sam Rosen.
1: So on this cover, we see Captain Marvel reeling seemingly in horror as a galaxy scape behind him ejects flaming planets and asteroids in a massive conflagration that bathes our hero and the cityscape behind him in a fiendish red
0: light. Darkness lit only by a single point of flickering light that begins to hurtle towards the reader, engulfing more and more of this 12-panel grid on the first page, till on the next page we see that light reflected in the eyes of Captain Marvel beneath his mask. He stands upon an alien landscape and challenges Zoe to prove that it is as supreme as it claims. The light of Zoe burns against the cosmic starscape, These panels are incredible in the way that they roll out, and it's clear from the opening that we're in for a treat.
1: Yeah, to the end of proving its power, uh, Zoe provides Captain Marvel with this weirdly ethnocentrically Western history of the planet Earth from, like, first, like, formation... Uh, and it ends it in nuclear holocaust, and it it manages to communicate the entire history of Earth in about 20 to 25 panels on one page. It's really impressive.
0: Yeah, it's cool. It's it's a good little layout. Zoe continues the vision, showing Marvel a vision of him destroying Kree-Lar, which he rejects, Then he takes our captain on a journey through the cosmos.
1: Yeah, and so that goes to the Cold Open, which, uh, you know, we started it out with, where Captain Marvel is basically tumbling through multiple black light posters.
0: (laughs) That was exactly what came to mind for me. Like you're in a hot topic in the 90s looking at black light posters.
1: Yeah, there's the one where it's like his face like copied, re- like repeatedly growing larger in the background is like he's hurtling through this planetscape. Uh, in others, there's just like swirling cosmos all around. It It is a lot, this particular trip. It's a trip, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. It is real cool, though. I'm not going to lie. That one with Mar is in his expanding face over and over. I'd buy that. Zoe brings Mar through the universe to an idyllic heaven and then to an extreme metal looking hell.
1: Yeah, I, I love this one. Huge blue Satan posing in the cosmos before a six eyed serpent with crab legs.
0: It's fantastic. It is definitely metal as heck. And uh, Marr has surmised that Zoe needs him for something. And so now well convinced of Zoe's supremacy, Captain Marvel accepts the mission. He's then told that Krelar must be destroyed because of Tambor, pagan god of Kreelar's frozen wastelands. To the eye, a harmless idol, but it's a battery of magnetic strength threatening to pull every planet out of orbit and bring about the end of everything, which, I mean, we all know in Marvel, magnetism is magic. So, yeah, it's a pretty serious threat.
1: This this whole lo- this whole storyline really hinges around the uh, magic of magnetism. And I appreciate that. And I also really love this issue's tambour design because Looks like a face, but the teeth look like piano keys, and that is a motif that I can never get enough of.
0: Yeah, it's a really good design. He, he kind of has a lot of different aesthetics melding together and meshing together in a way that creates a pretty horrifying image for a you know dark pagan god.
1: And so even though Zoe says that the planet cannot be saved, Captain Marvel is unconvinced and swears that he's going to destroy the menace without blowing up the planet. So then he teleports himself to Kreelar.
0: These sequences only get more stunning with this aerial view of Radnam immediately turning into a sky chase with the accusers stun blasting at Mar and catching him in their dirigible looking jet. And as
1: soon as he's aboard, Mar just leaps into action, taking out patrolmen, commandeering the vessel, and apparently the follows of Tambor are big business because no sooner have they changed their destination to find it than a gigantic warship with a really fascinating, like fire grill and toilet bowl-looking motif about it. It just swallows Mars dirigible ship whole.
0: Honestly, it made me think of like a like a man war. Uh, it doesn't have the tentacles draping down quite so volumously, but it, it made me think of a, of a giant man
1: Yes, for sure. Uh, so captured, Captain Marvel is now prisoner of Tambor. And this brings us to Captain Marvel 16, Behind the Mask of Zo. It was written by Archie Goodwin, pencils by Don Heck, inking by Sid Shores, Lettering by Gene Izzo, edited by Stan Lee, and a cover by Don Heck, Sid Shores, and Sam Rosen.
0: On this cover, we see a century menacing Captain Marvel with the supreme intelligence in the background glowing and crackling with power. On the left side, we see a bunch of people trapped in tubes.
1: So the change in art team here is immediately apparent as Captain Marvel is dragged before Tambor, and the idol is just crackling with magnetic powers the worshippers of this pagan god are wearing these riveted suits but they seem non-ferrous because the cataclysmic magnetic power just pulls Captain uh, Marvel towards his doom
0: Mark can't concentrate to just teleport away from his problem so he saves himself by relying on his trusty jet belt oh jet belt we haven't seen you in ages The captain uses short bursts to maneuver himself to an interest, ricocheting his way into the structure.
1: Inside, he finds not a god nor natural phenomenon, but rather a Kree construction of recent origin and a deliciously Kirby-esque design. It's apparently replicating the magnetic pull of a planet over a thousandfold, and Captain Marvel immediately leaps to destroy the source.
0: Now, if you haven't been looking at the visual companion, you might notice that we say Mar leaps into or at things a lot. I assure you, this is not hyperbole and it's not an exaggeration. Jumping at problems is something Mar does a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's at this time that Ronan, the public accuser, teleports in and begins to blast Marvell uh, as a traitor to the Kree. And refuses to listen that the fate of Kree Lar is at stake. And this is also the first time we see Ronan as a blue Kree.
0: Mar is outgunned by Ronan, who thrashes him with the universal weapon. But in the melee, Mar activates his helmet self destruct and throws it at the base of Tambor's machinery.
1: And from that small explosion, cascades a chain reaction that swells from generator to generator till Tambor falls in a massive blast. Yet, when the upheaval ends, Ronan is the last one standing.
0: Then halfway across the universe, a voice cries out, Captain Marvel, he needs me! It's Carol Danvers, who somehow knows that she must go to him, so she promptly escapes the hospital where she was unconscious. However, she is hounded by the FBI and the press as she does so. There's an uncomfortable racism moment here with the black FBI agent, but yeah,
1: the white guy calls him son and makes a whistling Dixie comment. And yeah, it's it's just like that.
0: He I did catch, though, that when he makes the whistling Dixie comment, the the black FBI agent makes a, a comment about uh, not not liking that at all
1: oh yeah he cracks back immediately it's that that part was pretty delightful
0: back on kree lar ronan the public accuser levels his hammer at marvell and without his helmet he will be slain But even as searing doom arcs Mars' way, a huge figure teleports in directly in front of him, saying, Surrender your weapon, accuser, by order of the supreme intelligence. You are hereby stripped of all power. So speaks his servant, the Super Sentry.
1: Now, it's worth noting that even though sentries are a fairly common part of Kree's stories, this, as far as I can tell, is the only appearance of the Super Sentry, and I have no idea why, because he looks great, and he has these, like, broad features and a very Kirby helmet. I don't know, I, I, I guess I just like sentries.
0: I like the idea of the Supreme Intelligence having an even more powerful sentry to like hang out with him and like mess people up if they come to bother him. I thought that was really good, and I'm sad to hear that we won't see him anymore.
1: So Ronan opens up on the Super Sentry, who just reflects the blast back and then picks Captain Marvel up and teleports him to the Hall of Judgment. So they fly through the Kree Empire to Hala, and it's another great set of cosmic panels as they're traversing the skyways all the way to the birthplace of the Kree race, which Mar comments that most Kree will never see in their life. And we get to see it here in all its ringed glory before Mar is brought before the Supreme Intelligence.
0: I really like the Supreme Intelligence design. It's gross, and it's rad, and he kind of looks like Slimer from the Ghostbusters, and that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I love his his tentacles and the, like, Kirby crackle that's always in his mouth. Like, I'm not entirely sure what it is, but the Supreme Intelligence has a certain kind of charm that's definitely grown on me as we've read
0: these uh, issues. For serious, Marvel thinks that he is going to be judged, but the Supreme Intelligence reads his mind and tells him no, that the one on trial here is Zarek, an Imperial Minister, but he's known to Mar by another name, Zo. Yeah,
1: so apparently, Mars' voyage through space was nothing more than a trip through a vast Multi sensory illusion chamber, which apparently have been outlawed for hundreds of years. And we find that the manipulation had been done by Zarek and Ronan working together, and they had saddled Marvell with yon Rogg, knowing that yon Rogg's insane jealousy would force Mar into becoming their patsy.
0: Why all of this racism? Yeah. Blue Cree su- blue supremacy, angry at the liberal policies of the supreme intelligence made up of countless generations of the Cree's greatest minds, both pink and blue. Zarek wants to make the Cree empire great again, and he's terrible for it. He monologues for a bit to cover the arrival of Ronin, who has escaped the super century's wrath.
1: Now, Ronin and Zarek teleport away together and throw a Negatron sphere behind them at the sp- Supreme Intelligence. Captain Marvel immediately jumps on the bomb, but he isn't even damaged. The Supreme Intelligence was apparently prepared for even this eventuality, declaring that Zarek and Ronin are already captured and that only leaves Yon-Rogg unaccounted for.
0: I was real happy when I read that. I was like, man, he's going to get his. Yep. And the Supreme Intelligence basically suggests using a hyperspace beam to annihilate Earth to take out yon Rog, which is a bit uh, too extreme. Uh, and Mar Jack saying that he can capture yon Rog without blowing up an entire planet. Uh,
1: yeah, and to that end, the Supreme Intelligence transform... Mar into a new costume. It's black and red with a star on the chest, and it will look very familiar to anybody who saw the recent Marvel Captain Marvel film. It looks kind of like the red and blue uh, costume that Carol gets at the end of the film. So, the Supreme Intelligence declares that uh, Mar clearly cares too much for earth to ever advance in rank so he's now captain marvel forever it seems like this is also when he's granted the negabands. more on that someday
0: you'd think this would be it but no captain marvel teleporting towards the earth when something happens he begins fading away at last i know what is happening i'm being hurtled bodily into that realm from which no power shall ever deliver me the dreaded anti-cosmos that men call the negative zone. If you want to read the issues we're covering today, you can find them collected in Essential Captain Marvel Volume 1 and Marvel Masterworks Captain Marvel Volume 2, as well as digitally on Comixology and Marvel Unlimited, or you can ask your local library.
1: If you would like to know more about Captain Marvel, just a few Issues after this, the book gets canceled for a few years, and Mars starts showing up in Avengers 89 through 97. And that's when the Kree Scroll War takes place. And then the book comes back without numbering about two years later at 22. Uh, Then, of course, there is the uh, Marvel graphic novel number one, uh, which is the death of Captain Marvel. Um, And it is an incredibly poignant story and one of those really major events that is stuck, just absolutely stuck. And then, if you would like to know more about uh, Ronan, another couple places to find him uh, Inhumans Volume 3 discusses the relationship between Inhumans and the Cree and actually in- involves some of Ronan's love life. Uh, then there are his appearances in Annihilators, which was a uh, post-Annihilation, post-War of Kings team-up that was really tremendous. And then there's the Black Vortex event, uh, which also features a cosmically-powered up in the Accuser. Uh, you can also reach us with questions or comics online, at Artifacts of I on Twitter and at Artifacts of Infinity at gmail.com.
0: If sacred places are spared the ravages of war, then make all places sacred. And if the holy people are to be kept harmless from war, then make all peoples holy. This has been Artifacts of Infinity. I'm Jonathan.
1: And I'm Everett.
0: And we will see you in the infinite cosmos.